Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Daryl Stinson. Daryl is an entrepreneur, pastor, speaker. Hey guys, he played defensive end at Central Michigan University from 2008 to 2011 through a life-changing encounter. He um, had a difficulty in life with an injury early on and actually attempted suicide. But guess what? The guy is a suicide survivor because he, he is here with us in um, Zoom studio, as we call it today, on Surfcast. Most of all, this guy is my friend. He is a fellow TEDx speaker. We shared a TEDx stage back in November of 2019. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with my friend Daryl. By the way, just in case you're wondering, I'm a middle-aged white guy, and Daryl is chasing middle-aged black guy, and we are enjoying life together, man. We'll be right back with a conversation to challenge all of us. Daryl, welcome to Servecast. Man, I'm delighted you joined me today. Where are you at, man? I know you're on Zoom, but are you down in Atlanta, Georgia somewhere? I'm in Duluth, Georgia, which is Metro Atlanta. So uh, the uh, Life Church International, man, working from the office today. And uh, so excited that you're having me on, man. Uh, we could talk about so much, um, but I have to address something that you said in your intro. You called me a friend. And I cannot officially give you that title until you give me some of that world-famous barbecue <laughs> that I see you keep sharing on this internet, man. So you send me some barbecue, and we're really friends, We're really man. friends. I love it. You know, um, we actually go back to some other mutual food items called Cane's Chicken, man, you know? We, oh, um, yeah. we were down and doing a TEDx together down in uh, Texas back in November of last year, and we had some Cane's chicken. You remember that? I do remember that because I've been a fan ever since, and I did a bunch of videos telling people that they need to bring a Cane's here to Georgia, man, because go. we got Chick-fil-A and Popeye's, but we need a Cane's. There you go. You know, let me give you some advice. Never walk into a Cane's chicken and ask them for one of those really cool hats because when they give it to you, they're also going to charge you for it, and then you'll be too embarrassed <laughs> to uh, give them back their hat and not pay for it. That meal of like $7 chicken cost me like $27, man. I'll never forget it. So. Uh, oh, man, must be, must be some cat. <laughs> you got it. Hey, listen, let's talk. Let's get into this conversation. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I introduce you, introduce, introduce you, all right, I'm just all over the place today. But when I introduce you on the on the bumper on this uh, this beginning of this, of this conversation today, um, I didn't mention that you're also the founder of Second Chance Athletes, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the big question. Like, how, who do you determine an athlete qualifiable for that? Because, you know, I played kickball back when I was a little kid, you know, back in school. So I don't know. Are we talking about actual, you know, collegiate athletes and professional athletes? I mean, yeah. because you yourself were a, a, a big-time ball player back in the day, right? Talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would like to think so, man. Uh, you know, I played with number one draft pick Eric Fisher. And I always make this joke that the reason why he we went the reason why he went number one is because he lined up across from me every practice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I he had to be the best because he was going against the best. So that's my shameless plug, man. But no one will ever know because I got hurt. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, man, uh, but I get asked that question a lot, and the way that I answer it is, it's less about a uh, um, a level of athlete, and it's more about a type of athlete. Mm. Um, so the type of athletes that we desire to work with the most, um, per our niche is high athletic identity athletes. Okay. So it has nothing to do with longevity of play. 
it has everything to do with the degree to which an athlete identifies with their role as an athlete. Okay. So the higher their athletic identity is, the more likely they are to experience uh, mental health challenges, uh, troubles at home, financial issues, those type of things, because they never developed a holistic sense of identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about identities, right, um, I want to recommend early on in the conversation that people go to – Daryl Stenson uh, TEDx and pull you up, and that's two R's and two L's for Daryl. Um, but anyway, I was there. I was live that night. You were the first of eight speakers, and uh, it was I pretty was. interesting. The other day, you did a, a, a nine-minute video, I think, that was talking about behind the scenes, and you, I won't, I won't let you tell all of that here because I want to route people to your uh, to your Facebook so they can pick up that that video. But um, you know, you've overcome a lot of challenges in life, Daryl. Give us a little bit about. Who is Daryl? I know at one point you were a drug dealer or a drug user and a agnostic yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But now, yeah. now you're a pastor of all things, man. In a world of chaos, who is Daryl Stinson and why is all of this important to you? Man, that's such a good question. It's a loaded question, right? It's like, where do we go? Um, you know, per the behind-the-scenes TEDx, um, I've never met a person who was greatly blessed and didn't experience great battles. Yeah. And, uh, they, you know, the, the old saying is, uh, the hardest battles are always before your breakthrough. And that's essentially what the live video that I did was about was all of these battles I faced that was trying to keep me from pursuing and doing my best on that TEDx stage. And there was a lot of battles, man. And you experienced some of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we won't, we won't, we won't get too much into that, (laughs) but, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was less of the event things that were happening. It was more of all this other stuff that was going on for me to get there. So, um, man, I just say that I've developed, I think, you know, there's always that scripture that, you know, God will take what the enemy intends for harm and use it for your good. And, You know, how do you take something like attempted suicide, swallowing a whole bottle of pills and use it for a person's good? How do you take something like like drug dealing? How do you take something like being agnostic uh, Mm -hmm. and and use it for someone's good? Um, And it's very simple. You take the skill (laughs) set that I was using to uh, create uh, bad experiences in life and you use them to create good experiences in life. So instead of me leading people into drugs, I'm now leading them into success and influence. Instead of me uh, talking people out of faith in Jesus, I'm now talking them into faith in mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and then there's this scripture that says that God will redeem the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, him being the author of time, he can take uh, your wasted time and turn it into a miracle. He can he can take what would have took you five years to do in your strength and do it in one. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did for me. Uh, he took uh, the things that I've done that I shouldn't have done, and he shortened my process. Um, I did not have to make up for lost time. Mm. Um, he opened doors for me. I mean, my first job that I got required three years of uh, marketing and public relations experience. And guess how many I had? Mm. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero, man. I still had the resume that said like no like uh, results on it. It just said like, hey, I was a 
waiter and I serve food, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no like maintained a clean sanitary environment. And so yeah. uh God opened that door, man. And um, you know, that really set me up to be a successful marketing professional and got into some marketing consulting and things. And uh that was before I, I got into pastoral ministry. I was always involved after I, I gave my life to Christ in a psychiatric unit. But um um, I was doing uh, marketing consulting before I, I became like a mm-hmm. on-staff pastor. So, yeah, I, I just say, man, th- there's a lot of things we could talk about, and I'm I'm willing to zone in on any specific niche. But I would just say no matter, you know, what your mess is, God can always make a miracle out of your mess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and for me, it's not a cliche. It's, it's not a, a cute quote. <laughs> it's yeah. my life. It's what he's done. And I know that if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. Mm-hmm. Let's go back, Daryl. Let's unpack for just a few minutes this whole idea of um, I, I don't necessarily want to highlight, you know, being an agnostic, being a, a you know, yeah. a drug user, although those are real stories. Um, let's go back and, and talk more about how do you help someone who who is finding themselves and convinced that what they're doing and what they're believing is okay, but yet we know, you know, for sake of a term, paternalism, we know that there's a better way for them, right? How do you, how do you begin to identify that, and 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 maybe how did some of the people that helped pull you out of that, I think you would call it a gutter, you know, um, to low down low downside there. How do you how they help get you back up and elevated to the identity that you've experienced yeah. that you know today? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I have a very simplified answer for you. Yeah. Okay. Scripture says they will know us by our what? Yep. By, by our, our love. love. By our love. Not by, by our, our works, love. by our love. Yeah. By our love. And love is the bridge. Yeah. You want to know how you get someone out of their mindset, believing in strongholds, which are lies that are that they believe are true. You want to get somebody out of a unhealthy lifestyle. That's not the best for them. You love them because love is always the bridge. Um, what I, I think we know that, but because we get impatient, uh, because we forget what we've been through, yeah. uh, b- because we, uh, become professional Christians and we start to create a hierarchy where, um, our, sin is lesser than their sin. Yeah. Um, and because we do become accidental Pharisees, I think that we uh, don't practice what we know to be true, which is that love is the bridge. And we start to think that information is the bridge. Criticism is the bridge. Judgment is the bridge. Telling, telling it to them straight is the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I always say this because there's always that person listening that's like, yeah, God, I tell them how it is. They're going to hell. you know. <laughs> and, and I'm like, uh, name one time Jesus scared somebody into heaven. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do that. And, right. and so why are we trying to do it? And uh, Jesus didn't scare uh, uh, people into heaven. He loved people into heaven talk, talk God, about so that daryl what does that look love like? the world yeah what does that look gave? like though daryl what does it look like to love people? practically speaking okay if you really want to know so okay love people the most when they deserve it the least okay okay your son your daughter comes home high. I, i've got three girls yep i hope they never come home high on drugs yeah. i really do 
I, you know, they love church. Um, my oldest um, uh, gave her life to Christ. The other ones are too young to probably even conceptualize what all that means. But um, I hope that they'll never have to go through anything yeah. in life. But if they do, and they came in the house high, the first thing that they're going to experience from their father is not wrath, it's love. Mm-hmm. It's it's when I mess up, when I do something that I know my father would disapprove of, he does not withdraw from me. He actually pursues me. Right. Just like God did in the original sin. Adam hid. The father went and pursued. And so what does that look like practically? The moment when people piss you off, the moment when uh, uh, people uh, do things that are so contrary to what you believe, instead of judging, criticizing, and uh, uh, (laughs) I'm trying not to use, uh, I was going (laughs) to, instead of telling them off, cussing them out, right? Whatever your, like ego does, right? (laughs) Love them. Yeah. Speak words of life. Speak to their new identity, not the identity that they're walking in. Tell them literally. So, so here's a real experience that happened for me. This will help, okay? Um, I, um, when I, I went to church a few times when I was still selling drugs, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this was before I like completely put my faith in Christ. And uh, it was for me, I was just coming, you know, I was still agnostic, but I was coming because, you know, feel good, you know, good inspirational message. I come to church high. Um, I remember tithing on my drug money. <laughs> and I know it smelled like weed. I know. And it, this was in a storefront church. That's nice. <laughs> 17 people, 10 of which were probably family members. And the rest of was deacons and elders, you know. So I was the only, me and my teammates were the only visitors. Yeah. <laughs> so they know it's coming from us. <laughs> it was not one of the deacons selling drugs. And instead of being like, well, we don't promote that type of sinful living lifestyle, boy, like instead of doing that to me, uh, the pastor comes up to me and he says, I see a leader in you. Hmm. And I had heard that before. Yeah. But it was the look in his eyes. I could tell he meant it. That's what I mean. That love is the bridge. That's how you get someone out of that life. Because eventually, what you see in them, they will become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to call those things that are not as though they are. And I think too many times we get used to calling things as they are instead of what they will be. Speak to people's potential and they'll rise to the occasion. I told everybody in the front end that you were chasing middle age, but how old are you? I am not at li- um, liberty to tell you that. Because <laughs> here, here's what happens. I promise you every time. So I'll come on these things and I'll do these podcasts and shows or preach at someone's <laughs> church or whatever. And everybody just thinks like, oh, man, this guy's wise. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like dude, this guy's got experience. And when I do have experience and then I tell them my age and they're like, Oh, we can't learn anything from them. No, He's young. And so anyways, I am 30 years old. Yeah. So so let's talk about 30 for a minute, all right? So yeah. when if someone were to go to your website and they pick up your bio and they, you know, discover who Daryl is, you're gonna you're gonna have a line in there. You're gonna talk about when you gained clarity on your identity. Yes. So how old were you when that happened? And and I'm only asking that for this reason, right? 
because I think there are some listeners, some people that will be listening to us that may think that, you know, their errors, their chain, their, their, their shamefulness, their bad decisions, their poor choices, whatever has kind of pretty much went ahead and they're ruined. They might as well just, you know, cash in and be done with it and not worry about it. But even at 30 years old, you're never very passionate about getting people, pulling them out of the, the addictions and helping them to yes. get to where they are. How old were you when that clarity came? What did that clarity look like? And how can somebody today who may be struggling figure out that there can be clarity available to them? Because it's like if you get in your car and you drive to work early one morning and there's just a bed of fog, right? And it might take you 45 minutes before the fog really lifts. I kind of sense in my heart, Daryl, there's a lot of people who their life is in a fog. And right now you're talking from an abundance of experience but you're also talking from an abundance of grace applied. How can people begin to see past the fog, out of the fog, and when did that happen for you? Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm going to share with you a philosophy that helped. Okay. So the answer is I was 23 years old. Um, it took me about five years to come fully out of the fog. Yeah. But yeah, every day got clearer. Okay. Okay. Um, the way that I did that is, uh, you know, um, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I kept getting around people of faith. I kept listening to messages of faith, things that st- spoke to my future, my potential, my destiny, not just church, but podcasts. I read books, everything to develop the gifts, the passions, the talents, the purpose that was inside of me. You do that long enough, consistently enough, every single day, you're going to come through the fog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here is a philosophy. And, and I'm so sorry if this isn't like uh Biblically, um, doesn't make, doesn't make me sound like a scholar, right? Ain't nobody but judging you, man. Nobody's, nobody's judging, judging you, me, man. man. They're like, man, why is this dude a pastor? Is he is he credentialed? And I am, I am, I am. Uh, so, uh, I was just doing this the other day. There was a way that I learned the story of Solomon. Uh, you know, when God would grant him whatever prayer desire he had, sure. And he had the option to choose, and he chose wisdom over wealth. Okay, and then God gave him both. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. The way that I always interpreted that, I promise I'm going somewhere, stick with me. The way that I always interpreted that was that he chose the lesser thing, Mm. that it was an act of humility to value uh, uh, wisdom uh, more than money. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and I always made me like I don't need the money. I just need wisdom. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. That's actually, I believe that's not true, because he wrote that wisdom is more valuable yes. than rubies. So he actually didn't have this like heart of humility. Well, he probably was a humble person, but it's as if God was like, "Do you want a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars?" And he goes, "I'll take the three. <laughs> I'll take the more valuable thing. How, how does that relate? How does that connect? I'll tell you how. Because you want to know how to come out of the fog, get the most valuable asset besides people on the planet, uh-huh. and it's called wisdom. Okay. Okay. We want rules. We want steps. We want tactics. We want strategies. But our situations are so unique, so complex, mm-hmm. 
that what we need is not more tools, tactics, strategies, points, tips, seven steps. You know what we need? Wisdom. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that God says this. This is cool. You ready? If we ask him for it, yeah. he'll give it to us. Anybody. Anybody. Liberally. Freely. Yeah. A lot. No charge. <laughs> Heaven's wisdom. I'm telling you, that has served me in my life more than anything. And I'll tell you a really short story to give you just to drive this because 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 I don't think people realize how important this is to walk and live in wisdom. Okay. Perfect example. I, I, I graduate from college. I have three job offers. Uh, one is working for a professional hockey team down in Florida. I forget the name of it. Uh, the other is working for a PR firm in Georgia, actually. Um, and then the third one was working for Johnson and Johnson company where my starting salary would have been 40,000 plus benefits and a plan, not just opportunity, a plan for advancement to get me to a hundred thousand within the first three years. Right. Okay. Sounds like a good deal, but don't it? All right. Um, one problem. I did what I encourage everyone to do. I asked God for wisdom. He did not tell me to go to Florida. He did not tell me to go to Georgia. He did not tell me to go work for Johnson and Johnson. God told me to stay in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, where I had a grand total of zero job offers. Mm -hmm. Now, the average person, um, the the uh, person who has not asked God for wisdom, would say that that is a very foolish decision. I thought it was foolish. Yeah, but I knew what I heard. I stayed in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And I'll, I'll never forget there. I'm not going to say which family member it was. But they said, well, God doesn't want you to be broke. God provide for you. I thought, here's what I thought. I thought I was going to stay in Mount Pleasant where I had no job offers. And like the next day, I was going to get like seven job offers, like for <laughs> a reward of my obedience, right? I thought that's what was going to happen. What really happened is I went through, I don't know, three to six months of unemployment. I was eating donuts from the food shelter. Nice. Like I, I, I was struggling, right? I had to shovel snow with my bad back in order to make ends meet. Like it was not a, a good go round. And I was, I was tempted to question God. But then I remember that I was living, walking in wisdom. Uh, uh, there's so much good that came out of that because the next job opportunity I got is the one I told you that I had uh, zero experience for. Mm-hmm. And yet they gave me... Um, a position that I was underqualified for at the time. So that was something good that came out of that. Um, but, but, but let me, show, because here's the thing, we usually only see what's in front of us, but right. God actually starts from the end and works backwards. So he sees what's way in front of us. Let's just say it that way. Here's what I didn't know. Okay. The boss, right? So this was in 2011. Okay. Mm-hmm. The boss that hired me because I stayed in Mount Pleasant in 2011 is now editing my book that's set to release in mid October. Nice. In 2020. Yeah. Nine years later. Yeah. Not only is she editing my book, she is the PR firm that is managing this press. Uh, attention that we're getting from Life Church International because we're a very diverse church and there's you know racial discrimination issues going on in our country or being revealed more pressing in our media. Yeah. So she's servicing us on two levels: me for my personal brand and the church 
for its brand and its representation of Christ in the midst of these times. God knew that. Mm -hmm. Wisdom knew that. One of our challenges with walking in wisdom isn't that we don't know what we're being led to do. It's that we don't know why we're being led to do it. Okay. Okay, Daryl, hold on a second. (laughs) Everybody wants to know the why. Unpack that a little bit. The why is because he knows the end from the beginning. The why, is, the why is because he sees what we don't see. The why is because sometimes we're so familiar with our sins, our failures, our mistakes, that we forgot about our goodness, our gifts, and our talents, and God sees the good, the, the gold that's buried beneath the dirt. Yeah, That's why, because he has all information and we have limited information. Mm-hmm. That's the why. That's why we can trust him, because he has a pretty good track record. Mm-hmm. So I gave you the pragmatic approach, right? I gave you, if you're resistant to all of that, if you're not abstract, if you're like, I don't want to pray and be led and ask for wisdom, I gave you the pragmatic side. Here's what you do. You get books, you get podcasts, you you, you watch TV shows, YouTube videos that speak to your purpose, your gifts, your potential. You do that long enough, consistently enough, you're going to come out the fog. Right. But if you want to experience the miraculous, the redeemer of time, If you want to not have to make up for the time you lost, if you want the fog to be supernaturally wiped away, ask for wisdom. Hmm. Hmm. There's a great passage in scripture that I quote often, um, and I use this as a prayer more than than anything with people a lot of times. Um, Luke 2 and 52, great passage. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor. You know, one version says stature, another version says favor, you know, but he grew in wisdom and in stature or favor. Um, How how have you seen God do, and this is maybe it's a, maybe it's a testimonial moment here before we transition to some other questions, but how have you seen God redeem this time? You're talking about, because, you know, there's plenty of stories of people who, who get saved, you know, or, or get forgiveness and, or they, 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 they repent, they ask for forgiveness and man, it's it's not a quick turnaround for them. This is a long turnaround for them. This is a long journey for them. But how have you seen God? And I guess the the best way to approach it is take over and own the moment. Take over and own the time for you. You know, I've seen it in my own life. But how have you seen God redeem this time mm-hmm. to where, you know, yeah, what you thought might would have cost you ten years of of turmoil turned into ten seconds, and then ten mm-hmm. years of favor. Wow. Um, the word is grace. Right? Yeah. Like that's the word. Um, and wow. Um, I just, you know, so the, it's so funny. The, the vision of second chance athletes, the name came from the scripture, Jonah, yeah, where he was given a second chance to obey original command. Oh, good. Right. And, but in reality, right, here's the reality, is like we all are on like our hundredth chance. Right? Like, you know how many times I've got it wrong, I disobeyed, I didn't do the right thing, and God just keeps giving me opportunity after opportunity. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And that's that. That's the recipe. Mm-hmm. You make some mistakes, failure's not final. Get back up. I think we spend too much time wallowing in the mistakes we've made instead of getting up and moving forward the next day. His mercies are new every morning. Yeah. 
So I don't have to be bound by my mistakes of yesterday. Now, does that give me a license to sin? Uh, my pastor always has said that people have been sinning without a license for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean that I do not walk worthy of the call? No, we know that. This doesn't mean, but it's actually the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not the judgment of God. So it's the fact that I know that if I make a mistake, if I do something intentionally wrong, that he'll still be there. His mercy will still be new every morning. That actually makes me not want to do the thing that I should do. Say it, that again. That... Say that again. I think that's really important, Daryl, because yeah. as the relationship with the Lord grows, you said it makes me not really want to do those things that I know would alienate me from Him. You know? Correct. Correct. And and uh, we had a guest preacher. I'm going to say it the way he said it because I like the way he described it. He said, "When you understand the nature of God, you don't. When you sin, you instead of running towards sin, you actually run towards God." Yeah. Because typically, if you think he's uh, judgmental, if you think he's unforgiving, if you think he's, you know, Old Covenant God, Old Testament God, you know, what you think is that when you sin, he withdraws. When you sin, he punishes. When you sin, he withholds. And so, therefore, instead of running to God when you sin, you run to sin, Mm -hmm. right? So I mess up, and instead of coming to the comforter, I go to... Uh, the comforters, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the sheets, right? Yeah. I go to sex, I go to drugs, I go to money, the gambling, whatever it is to fill it because it is my comforter. And I don't go to him because I don't think that there's comfort that's found in him because I feel like he just wants to point out all of my sins, my failures and be like, why did you do that? You bad child. When in reality, he's going to put a robe and a ring on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's recognizing that that's the nature of our father. That actually says, you know what? Why would I want to sin? Yeah. When God's so good. If you got a faithful wife, why would you want to cheat? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if your wife is mean and cheating on you and doing all this crazy stuff, then you might be more tempted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might be. I'm not saying it's right, but you might be more tempted. But God is so good that it causes us to want to be good back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what do you want? Um, what what do you what could you say to your three daughters? You know, like I guess what I'm trying to get to is you're a father of three three young girls, and this world is chaos, man. You remember my TEDx talk was about chaos, you know, and about relationship, and and we're living yeah. in a in a more intense chaos. I mean, minute by minute, second by second, you know. And mm-hmm. frankly, if you read the Bible, you realize it's probably not going to get any better. You know, it might get more. Um, able to endure it, but I'm not sure it's going to get any better. I told the Lord the other day, and I was legitimately honest. I told God, I said, now, if what's happening in the world, if you're permitting what's happening in the world to increase my appetite for heaven, it's worked. I'm hungry. So give us a little bit of a reprieve. Give us a little bit of break here in the world, you know, because it's getting ugly and uh, getting worse and worse. What What would you say to fathers, you know, of of young kids today on how can they raise their children you know, like you, you guys are doing, how can you raise your children um, so whenever your daughter gets to the place that she can begin to feel the impression of the Lord in her heart, that she wants to begin that relationship? You know, what 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 are other, you know, athletes that are not at the place of recovery that you are at now? Speak to their life. Speak to the, the young college kid who might be listening to this or the, the grandfather who seems like that time has just cost them tremendously you know, in missed moments, you know, what, what do you want people to know about how to raise children in chaotic times? 
Because you're doing it right now and you're doing it well. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Uh, Here's what I've learned. Uh, Children become what they see. Okay. Uh, Some things are taught. Other things are caught. Uh, Model the marriage, the relationship with God, with friends, with community that you want your children to model. Be the example. Mm. You know, it was always this joke, hey, you do as I say, not as I do. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can say that all you want, but inevitably they're going to do what you did. Um, and so, uh, and, and obviously there's the grace component, right? Like, you know, when God steps in, you know, I, I then went from generational curse to generational blessings. Um, but, um, I didn't have that example, but I can tell you that, uh, here, here's a good example. So I went to church all the time as a young kid, because I had to, um, my kids go to church all the time because they want to. Yeah. That, and it's, a, that's a big point to make because then when I got of age to make my own decision, I was like, I'm out of here. It was nothing enjoyable about it. Um, I did not learn relationship. I learned religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, now lay me down to sleep. I pray to Lord my soul to keep. You know, yeah. like it was not. God is involved, and it's like um, I heard someone say that we're so enamored with the coming Jesus that we forgot about the Emmanuel who lives inside of oh, us. Oh wow! And that it's it's modeling Jesus on earth that helps us to raise healthy children. You know, uh, one of the things practically that our family does, and I'm not saying this to make us sound like super spiritual or anything, but. But you and Brittany uh, are rock stars. Come on, man. Be honest. You know, um, <laughs> hey, I married up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's how you know I can talk good. Cause go. I got, I got a good one, man. She did not marry me for my looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so every, we have this tradition where every Christmas we take a portion of money um, and we go drive around and we find somebody to give the money to. Um, what I want that to evolve into is that we invite them over, have dinner with them. But because my, my kids are young still, yeah. um, two of which are below the age of four, um, the, you know, there's some safety concerns that I have. So sure. when they get older and I'm not as worried about their safety, um, and uh, I've got top flight security guard in our house. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Then uh, that will be the phase two or three of what we do. But my point in saying that is uh, my daughters are being shown generosity, not told. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so uh, they think that it applies to many holidays, not just Christmas now. So they've got birthdays like that. Are we going to go give somebody else something like, nope. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Wait till they do that on your birthday, man. And you're done. You know what I mean? Oh, so, man, uh, I know, right? I know. But they, they're, they're thinking that way. And so that's, that for me is, is it means everything. Loving your kids. That's the main thing. But also just, just modeling what relationship is, not what religion tells you it should be. Mm-hmm. Closing thoughts, you know, we're getting ready to uh, end this episode today, but closing thoughts, you know, you talk about a personal mantra, and your personal mantra, you know, is to empower 
other people to, to discover the greatness that they've not yet discovered about themselves, right? Yeah. Um, and you talk about the power of love, you know, and how that we are to love and the bridge of love. And, um, you know, what what are some closing thoughts? And, and, and if somebody's listening to this today and they, they like, you know, okay, man, I'm, 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 I'm not where I need to be, you know, um, give us some, some next steps for them. How can they connect with second chance athletes? You know, yeah. what's some immediate things they can do right now? I often say this statement a lot of times that we were born for community. God never intended for us to live in isolation, but right now, so, true. so many times in life, Daryl, people are isolated, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'll be honest. I, I'm going to be very vulnerable for a second. I debated on whether or not to mention on the, on the onset of this interview that I'm a white man and you're a black man. But I did that simply because, you know, I, I really I really want us to get beyond looking at people for what we might attach to them or not attach to them and look at them the same way. Because every one of us, if you inhale and exhale, you're breathing the same air given to, to you that I have by the same creator. No, no debate on that, right? Um, the question I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to today is, what do you say to those persons that they they don't they can't find the greatness that God created in them? It's not yet there. Where can they go to get it? Yeah, we know they can go to Jesus, but in a practical sense, how do they connect with you, and how do they get to where they need to be? Yeah, um, I know that's not what you mean, but I think Jesus is the most practical thing on the face of this planet. Sure, I do. I think that we've made him too mysterious, man. I, I told you, Jesus told me to stay in Mount Pleasant. That's very practical. It's very yeah. clear. There's no ambiguity. There was no, like, go walk around the walls of Jericho seven times and, like, pray and shout. Like, there was not. It was, like, it was so clear. And so I, I think he is practical. And I think that um, people, when, when people say, oh, tell me something other than the Christian answer, and I know that's not what you were saying, but I'm addressing someone who might have interpreted sure. what you said that way to go that it's probably because we've we've developed the relationship with religion and not with Jesus. Good. Because Jesus is very practical. <laughs> Go to Samaria. Like 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 he's very practical. So mm-hmm. um um I think he is the answer and he is a simple effective solution. Mm-hmm. Um um after that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um I if you want to work with us, Second Chance Athletes is the place, right? Just go to our website, connect with us. We got a life after sport starter guide that will help you um, know, like, hey, here's how I get started on my journey to live my best life after sports, right? It gives you some uh, community places you can join, some resources that you can use. Um, if you're not an athlete, um, I would say uh, come out of silence quickly Good. today, right now, because uh, – the more silent you are, the more you suffer. Mm. It's hard enough to go through things in life. It's even harder to go through them alone. Mm-hmm. And what the enemy tries to convince us of is that we're the only one, that our situation is so unique that no one can relate. No one understands. Nobody has messed up what I messed up. Nobody has been hurt like I've been hurt. And it is the biggest lie on the face of this planet. There are 7.1 billion people. Yeah. Somebody has been through what you've been through. And it's probably somebody that's right next door or in your neighborhood because that's how God works. Every time in my life that I felt like no one could relate, that if I shared, I would be judged. If I shared, I would be criticized and condemned. Can I tell you that a hundred percent of the time that I shared, I had somebody say to me, me too. Mm. Yeah. 
And that was more freeing than some moments at the altar that I've had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was somebody saying me too, because I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Uh, that would be my advice. And I'll say this too, because I know we're at this portion of the episode. You know, it's always like, well, how can people connect with you, right? And <clears throat> I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, you know, I was thinking about your audience and I was thinking about people that would be listening. Um, I think there's people that are going to follow me just for the, the just for the inf- inspiration that I bring, the motivation that I bring. But I think that there's going to be a few people that are listening to me speak and go, I want to, I want to be in on what that guy's in on, yeah. right? Like I, I, like he, addiction recovery, working with athletes. Like I want to partner with what God's doing in this life. And if that's you and, and you're feeling that leading to do so, just, just shoot me an email. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that's pragmatic, ain't it? Like, yeah. like, you know, don't download my lead magnet, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, go through my assistant, shoot me an email, uh, Daryl at secondchanceathletes.com. And I know he'll put it in the notes here. And so, uh, and just let me know how we can connect uh, with one another and let's just start a conversation and see uh, what God's leading us to do. Mm-hmm. Daryl, man, it is so good to, to see your face and listen to you and talk to you. And uh, we had fun in Texas and man, I'm just yeah. thankful that, uh, that the world has you. I'm thankful that that you stayed in Michigan when you needed to stay in Michigan. And I'm thankful that, you know, you climbed out when somebody gave you a ladder and I'm thankful that you're yeah. doing the same for other people because man, I just, uh, I'm not a doom speaker, but I do think that the world will continue in a spiral decline of chaos. And, and those of us that have salt and light need to step up and, uh, and yeah. be that. And I want to thank you for being that you, uh, thank you. I remember when I first met you, that was a tense night. There was a lot of things going on in all of our heads. <laughs> and, and if you remember, you know, um, we had a couple of, a uh, couple of, um, bro moments there. I guess I call them a big bro moment, you know, high five and a, a big hug yeah. pre COVID hug, you know, and, um, had never met you before the night, but yet felt very, very calm. I, I remember particularly when we were doing our, our walkthrough speeches, you know, and uh, there were about four or five of us on the stage and there was no cameras and no lights and no microphones. And we were just talking in midair, trying to memorize our speeches. But one of the things that I really appreciated about, appreciated about you then that I, I know to be kind of the core of who you are is you seem to care about every one of us that night. There wasn't a person that you didn't intentionally speak to, and thank you for doing that. And I think God's going to continue to to use you, and I'm thankful that we could get you on Surfcast today, man. It's been a delight. Man, uh, that means the world to me, man. I appreciate it. Um, You ended on this deep, heavy thankful note of gratitude well i'm gonna like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna completely blow all that up and i'm gonna call those things that are not as though they are and i'm gonna (laughs) say man i'm gonna get some of this famous barbecue there you go we'll get you some i can't be your black friend and not have your barbecue like that's that's not official like just like marriage isn't official till you put a ring on it like our friendship is not official until i eat that barbecue so until then i don't normally be a brother in christ i don't normally (laughs) self-promote on this podcast because i'm always promoting other people but I'm going to go ahead and give, if you want to see the barbecue that he's talking about, here's an Instagram. I'm going to spell it for you. It's Slick Willie's BBQ, S-L-I-C-K-W-I-L-L-I-E-S, the letter B-B-Q, Slick Willie's BBQ. Go check it out, and you'll yeah. know why Daryl's coming to Cleveland soon to eat some barbecue. But, uh, I am, man. I'll be there be awesome. like this weekend. <laughs> That's good, man. Hey, buddy. Hang hey, tight. I love you, brother. You too. Yeah. 
Hey guys, as always, remember uh, at the end of Surfcast in every episode, we talk about being made for more. God created us for community, not isolation. It is very important in the world in which we're living in that we take these awesome lessons learned today in this conversation with Daryl, step up to the greatness God has put in each of us because in kind of an odd way as it may seem, God's depending on us. He's depending on us to reflect Jesus to this world of chaos. Until next time, think about it and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.